Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing in the room today? Everybody good? Yeah. Well, let's give it up for the people that are out in the lobby and at the Fresca tent as well. Give it up for them, everybody. Welcome, you guys. Um, we have a tent out there. Uh, you saw it. You couldn't have missed it on your way in. Uh, we, weren't, we were planning to open that tent next weekend because everything's not here to make it cooler out there. So if you're out there and you're a little warm, we're, we're going to work on that, I promise you. We just opened it up because it was here. They set it up. But thank you for being here. And thank all of you for being in the room today. It means so very much today, especially uh, if you're a guest with us today. Welcome to our church uh, my name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here, and we're just so glad um, that all of you have joined us. If you're online with us, welcome as well. And I want to sh- shout out a group of men. I can't say where they're serving our country at, um, but there's a group of men who are in a foreign country far from here who watch this gathering, a bunch of them together, servicemen and, and women. I want to say a special thank you to all you guys. Would you give it up for all those guys? Yeah, we love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what you do. It means so much um, what those guys are doing, and we're so happy they're tuning in with us. Um, you know, tomorrow is the 22nd anniversary of 9-11, and I didn't want to pass by this moment without saying uh, something about that. And, and, and the thing that I always remember about this, because most of us who were alive in those days, you remember where you were, you remember what was happening, you remember the horror of that moment. And I guess the thing that we should always remind ourselves is that we'll never forget we will never forget the people, the men and the women, the, the first responders, the military people that were there who lost their lives. We will never forget them. So tomorrow, as you're going about your business, as you're doing life, just maybe pause and just remember um, those people, and we won't, we won't forget them. Uh, amen, everybody. Um, one, one last thing. Next Sunday, we call it Best Sunday Ever. We haven't been making a big deal about it, but it's, it's going to be an amazing Sunday. Uh, a lot of free food, um, uh, free merch. We're going to be throwing out shirts and new, brand new uh, shirts, and, and we'll have some new stuff for you. Um, this is the day where you invite your friends and your family, and we make a big deal about it, and um, we would love for you to join us uh, at one of the four gatherings uh, next week. Um, and thank you for getting all the times right, everybody. I hope it was a little easier getting on the property. I don't know if it was, but I hope it was. It looked like it was. And, uh, and so thank you guys for working with us on that. Um, we're start. Uh, by the way, I saw a lot of Cowboys jerseys in the house today. So come on. Seven fans of the Cowboys in the house today. Got some reps right here on the front row, second row, third row. Saw some of the security team wearing them and the ushers wearing them, so yeah. Lord Jesus, help us. Uh, Longhorns won yesterday, so I'm praising God for that. Sorry, if you're not a sports fan, you're like, dude, this guy. All right, well, we have to take the miracles where we can get them, everybody. Where we can get them. Uh, We're starting a brand uh, new series today on relationships, marriage, dating, fiance, like all of it. Um, And I'm going to tell you real quickly why we're doing this. We just came out of 21 days of prayer. If you've been part of our church, you know that we prayed for 21 straight days together. And during the course of the 21 days, um, we had people submitting prayer cards. And the cards went from side to side, and there was just two or three layers deep. And and so a lot of people would pray for these cards during the day. Every day we were praying here. And as I was praying for them, 
I would say probably 80% of the cards had to do with family life or married life or relation, relationships, the pain of the relationships that they were in. And so I just felt like that what we should do is speak to that. And so four weeks, uh, we did family life. Uh, we just wrapped that up last week. And over the next five weeks, we're gonna go into all sorts of, of relationship life. And the goal of the series is that no matter what your relationship status is, um, that you do that in a way that honors God. Amen? That whatever it is, whether you're married, single, dating, uh, getting ready to get married, whatever your relationship status is, that you do that, that in a way that honors God because our lives are meant to reflect the glory of God and to bring glory to God. And so, so should our relationships. And I'm gonna start today um, talking about marriage a little bit. And I'm gonna tell you this, this, this message is in kind of two parts. There's kind of a foundation piece that I'm gonna set up. And then I'm gonna give you one principle today, whether you're married, dating, uh, whatever your status is, single, that could be super helpful um, to making whatever your relationship is a, a, a better. Um, next week, we're going to talk straight, straight to single people and people who are engaged. Wh- whatever your status is there, we're going to talk to you. Um, let me say this, though, to married people. When your marriage is awesome, it's awesome. Can I get an amen from somebody, right? Now, I'll say also it's true that when your marriage isn't awesome, it isn't awesome. Come on, can I get an amen from that, right? Don't, don't say too loud because people will get bitter around you. You're like, well, that's so profound, right? It is. Well, actually, though, the Bible backs this up with me. Look at this, Proverbs 29. Um, Proverbs 29, there it is. Or sorry, Proverbs 18, that's the next one. The Bible says, Solomon says, find a good spouse, you find a good life. And even more, you get the favor of God. So it's like Solomon says, like, you get a good wife, you get a good life. And all the fellows said, amen. And the favor of God. When it's awesome, it's awesome. But also when it's not awesome, it's not awesome. And Solomon talks about that. He says in Proverbs 27, he says, a nagging spouse is like the, come on, look at this, drip, drip, drip of a leaky faucet. You can't turn it off and you can't get away from it. Come on, that's funny. I don't care who you are. That's the message paraphrase. But it, you gotta, that's good right there. That's good stuff. Again, don't say amen too loud. It'll be bad for you later on. Marriage is awesome when it's awesome, but we know it's not always awesome. And sometimes there's a lot of pain and, and, and it's complicated and sometimes marriages don't survive and we've seen that. And, 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 and I wanna talk today about marriage just in these first few moments in light of the scriptures, a, a kind of theology uh, of marriage that is not well received in our current culture, but I'm going to read the verses anyway because they're from God's word and we are a church that believes God's word, Amen. So Hebrews 13, four, marriage should be honored by, say this with me, by, by all, by everybody, right? And the marriage bed kept pure. And, and what he's saying here is that, is that the scripture teaches us that the principle that the only kind of God-honoring sex is, is in the con- covenant of marriage. Now, a lot of people are gonna be feeling cramped right now and, and uncomfortable, that, that, that's okay, but that's still what the Bible's teaching us right here, okay? And, 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 and God, will, God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually, all the sexually immoral, so there's both really good news in there and there's some like not as, it's kind of scary news in there. And the word honored right here is often translated in other verses as precious or priceless or valuable. 
Um, so the Bible's telling us that the institution of marriage, in, in terms of the biblical institution of marriage, should always be thought of as a precious thing, should be valued like gold, like silver, like rare jewels. In other words, when you think of marriage, what, you, what should come to mind, but won't always come to mind, but what should come to mind is, is respect and sanctity that we honor God's design for marriage, even if we're not married or even if we were married, even if it was bad the time we were, we still honor the idea of what God had in mind when he instituted it. So when it comes to following Jesus, as followers of Jesus, what is marriage, right? And this is just me laying a foundation. And why does it matter so much that we honor marriage? And I would say this, if you're young and single or if you're you're, you're older now and, 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 and whatever. If you, if you don't have an honor for marriage, like as it exists in the Bible, then it becomes a thing that becomes more of a contract that you make, two people make, than a covenant that people enter into. So, so a contract is often based, the reason we have contracts is because there is mutual distrust, Right? You sign a contract for a guy to come in and fix your house and you're signing for certain things and he's signing. What are you saying? Like, if you don't deliver, then I'm going to be able to. And, and there's a mutual distrust that, that we enter into. And yes, at the end of your wedding, if you got married, you had to sign a piece of paper. You remember that, right? I, I have done a million of these and I have to sign the paper too. And I'm like, what does that obligate me to? I don't even know what I'm signing right now, right? But, 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 but a covenant is a declaration of the, of the will, of the soul. It shall be so. You can count on me. I'm going to cherish you. I'm going to protect you. And so then Jesus comes along and he talks about marriage. A lot of people don't know that he did, but he did. In, in Mark's gospel, chapter 10, he says, and he's quoting from the book of Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible where the creation story happens. He says, but the, and by the way, these are all the words of Jesus, so you know it. But at the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. And some fathers and mothers are going, come on, bro. Come on. <laughs> Time to go. We love you, bud. Get, you know. Right? Don't you love that verse where it says, the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. Come on. Can I get an amen? We love you, kids. But at some point, we want you to go. Okay. <laughs> So the reason God, that a man leaves his father and mother and, and, and is united to his wife is that God made a male and female, right? With specific roles there. And the two will become what? One flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. And therefore, what God has joined together, let nobody separate. So these are the words of Jesus. What, we're, what we see here is number one, that God created Marriage. Marriage is God's idea. Can we go back to the verse real quick? Just leave it up for me if you don't mind. Ma marriage is God's idea. And again, this runs a little counter-culturally, but we're just reading the verse, words of Jesus that marriage is meant right here between a man and a woman. That's what he's, Jesus says. And then the third thing that we can see here is that the intention is that marriage would be a kind of permanent thing, right? Now, now let me say this. Let me say this about this. We've told you this from the beginning. Like if you've been here at part of our church, we've said this. With, with Jesus, there is the ideal and there is the real, right? 
right? So you've seen, Jesus will say, you've heard it said this, I'm telling you this. And he's always pointing them to a higher standard, always a higher standard than what everybody else is doing, whatever culture says. He's always pointing them to a higher standard, but there is the ideal and there is the real. And oftentimes there is a gap between the ideal and the real, yes or no? And so thank God that there is grace for the real, but Jesus will never stop pointing you and me towards the ideal. And this is his ideal, and he gives grace for the real, but just because we live in the real and not in the ideal doesn't mean we get to throw away the ideal. Because the ideal is God's word, and these are the words of Christ, we don't throw it away. Some people won't agree with it, some people will say all this other thing about it, but at the end of the day, this is the ideal. This is the bright North Star. And this is what should serve as the foundation for a theology of marriage is right here. This is it right here. There's many other verses that would support it, but this is it. So, so that's the foundation. Now I want to go to part two. And I want to spend the rest of our time today talking to you about a principle that I don't care if you're 15, 14, 13, or, or, or 50, or 7, whatever your age range is, whatever your sort of status, whether it's, come on, come on if it's, Married, single, or it's complicated. Can I get a witness for that one, right? Um, this might be the best thing I know how to tell you. Um, I, I read a book, I don't know, 10, 10 years ago, 12 years ago. It was called Real Marriage. It was a pretty good book. Um, but there was a chapter in it that kind of took my, like, like, I was like, wow. It was a chapter on the foundation of friendship in marriage, and I really hadn't seen that before. I hadn't seen anybody talk about, maybe they give a little lip service to it, but not a whole, like, a whole chapter about friendship as it relates to romantic relationships. That marriage is fundamentally about friendship, or, or it should be, right? It's about a lot of things, but it's, but it's also, I think at its core about friendship, and what's the one thing that lasts when other things fade in marriage? Friendship. What's the thing that causes the marriage to last when other things aren't going as well? Friendship. It it isn't always love that keeps it going, because feelings of love can, can, can get stronger and weaker over time, and if you've been married, you don't have to say amen, but it's true, right? And when people say, like, we just don't love each other anymore. Their next thought is, surely you don't expect us to stay together. But, but, but the truth is, emotions for all of us who have good marriages or not so good marriages, right? They change, obsessions fade. So there is a researcher named Dr. John Gottman. Um, I think it's Gottman.org if you want to look him up. Um, I don't think he's a Christian guy. He's just a researcher for 40, year, 40 plus years. He and his wife at the University of Washington Um, one of the foremost experts on the notion of marriage. He says that men and women mostly want the same thing when it comes to marriage. We're very different, but by and large, the majority of us, men and women, the most important thing for us in marriage is that our spouse becomes our nearest and dearest friend, right? He says 70%, 40-something years of research, 70% said the most important thing is that they become our nearest, dearest friends. And then he says that the common denominator amongst um, most long-lasting, happy marriages is a firm foundation of friendship. The single most common denominator of marriages that last 
and are happy is there's a friendship. And he calls it, he calls it an abiding regard. Like it just doesn't go away. It just abides, a regard. For, 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 it's in a regard for one another that expresses itself every day in little ways and in bigger ways. It's mutual respect, mutual admiration. And he says that most positives, um, uh, or rather successful marriages are characterized by something called positive sentiment override. That's a mouthful, positive sentiment override. Now, what, he, what he's saying is that that means that in spite of the usual irritations and disagreements and friction that married people uh, experience, none of you in this room or out in the tent or out in the lobby, right? None of you have ever had that, but because y'all are all perfect, right? But the other people out there somewhere, right? He says that in spite of those things, their positive feelings toward one another and their marriage are so pervasive that they tend to supersede the negative experiences that they've had. But on the flip side of that is negative sentiment override, right? Which is where people who are, who are in relationship with one another start to notice the flaws of each other more than their, their good qualities. And he says that when they have a flaw focus, they're focused on flaws, that it will devolve over time, the relationship will devolve over the time, and oftentimes it ends up being a separation, divorce, breakup, whatever it is, and a lot of times it's just because they either focused on the positive or the negative. They made a decision in their minds that the, 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 the energy was gonna be positive, not negative, and, and in successful marriages, they simply learn to let their positive feelings, emotions for each other override their negative ones. Not that they didn't say, man, she drives me nuts that she does that. Man, he, the fact that he doesn't take the trash out the second that I wanted him to, that drives me, come on, come on, somebody. That I, just, just throwing it out there. Um, anyways, right, like they, they let their positive regard for each other override that. They understand one another. They honor one another. They respect each other. They know each other deeply and they enjoy being together. They do, here's the key, they do little things every day. Every single day, they do little things to show each other they care, that they're seen, that they're heard. In short, they are friends. On the other hand, when a couple lets the marriage friendship, the friendship in marriage decline, negative feelings start to grow. When you focus on them, the small things can become very big things and blow up a marriage. This is why Solomon says that it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little things that spoil the vine. And, and what Gottman says is it's as simple as us deciding, I will focus on the positive more than the negative. You're like, come on, bro, it can't be that easy. 40-something years of research, brother says it is. So this is why when Gen in Genesis chapter two, God has created Adam. This is before sin has entered the world. And he says about Adam, it is not good for a man to be alone. And his solution for the loneliness of Adam is he gives him a wife, right? And the first human friendship, think about this. The very first human friendship that we have recorded is between a husband 
and a wife. So, so fast forward into the Song of Solomon, which is a book of the Bible and the wisdom literature. And, 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 and it has this kind of discourse between Solomon and his wife. And when it's her turn to talk, she says, this is her definition. This is my lover, or some translations will say beloved. And this is my friend. And when I look at these words right here, I can't think of a better way to describe the kind of relationship that we all should aspire towards. This is my lover and, or my beloved, and this is my friend. And I would say to you today in the room, out there, wherever you're at online, how is your friendship going? How's that going? Right? If you're engaged, if you're dating on a scale of one to 10, 10 is like best ever. One is like, uh-oh. You know what I'm saying? It's like, we're in, we're in trouble. Like, how's it going? Um, how would you rate your own friendship with your significant other? Married people, I think, I think it's true. I believe it's true from my own experience. Now, let me just say this. I'm not an expert on marriage, but I have been married for 25 plus years now. Happily, happily married, happily married. Grateful, 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 grateful. And if you look at me and you look at her, you'll see why I'm so, so, so grateful, all right? Like, I get it. Like, I get it, okay? But, but, but what I want to say is that if you focus and you, wor- you do work on not, on, not on your romance, that's, that's a good part of it, but, but on your friendship, by the grace of God, you, you focus on your friendship with, first with Jesus and then with one another, I think you would be amazed what God might do over time in your relationship. So, and, and men, let me say this to you, and I, ladies, I could be wrong, but I, I've done a lot of research, I don't think I am, that many women process the word love in the context of marriage, they process it, they hear it as near and dear friend. Your nearest and dearest friend, your best human friend can be your spouse. And God says, it's not good to be alone. And his answer, of course, and was for, for Adam was marriage. Now, in our day, friendship is kind of been watered down, right? Those of you who are on Facebook, all the 40 and ups, or apparently, if you, like if you're less than 40, you don't care about it. But apparently, if you're over 40, you, you like it. You have hundreds of friends and you know, followers or whatever, but you really don't have hundreds of friends, right? Like, because... They don't show up in your life when it's hard, when you're fighting a hard battle. They don't mourn with you or celebrate you. I mean, on your birthday, they get a notification and they send you a balloon. I'm like, bro, send me a real balloon. Come on. I don't want a picture of a piece of cake. Bring cake to my house with big red. Come on. Then I know you get me. You know what I'm saying? And a side of carnizada, right? Cake. Big red and carnitas. Then, then, you, then you know me, right? Then you're my friend, right? It, it, like if you look at the life of Jesus, he had friends. So he had 12 followers, which we call his disciples. And he says that he, that he was the friend of them all. And, and he also says that he'll lay his life down for them. But if you really check out Jesus' story, he really had three near and dear friends. Peter, James, and John, amongst his, his disciples, that is. Probably it's true that John was his best friend. John makes sure you know that he is his best friend. If you read John's writings, he's like, I'm his best friend, right? 
He's always talking in parentheses. Yeah, I'm the guy that was his best friend, right? Now, these three dudes are all there for the biggest, uh, most of the biggest moments of Jesus's life. They have a different kind of access to him. So, so we learn from Jesus that we should be friendly towards everyone, yes or no, amen, right? We should be kind to everybody, but we should be friends with just a few. Why? Because true friendship is costly, right? It, it takes money, can I get a witness? It takes time, it takes energy, it takes emotion. You gotta have patience, because sometimes they get on your nerves, your last nerve, whatever that one is, right? Whatever the last nerve is, somebody steps on that one sometimes. Can I, can I get an amen on that, right? right? And, and this is why as you get older, you find that you have fewer friends as you go older. Why? Because you realize, I can't be friends with everybody. Like, like I, ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. Remember that? <laughs> I love that. Like some of you are really extroverted. Like I, if, if, if those of you who came to the one big group we had last summer where we, we looked at personalities in, ter- in terms of color, mine was yellow, right? And yellow's like, yeah, right? I'm a three on the Enneagram if you're into that, right? Like a lot of people like that who are in helping professions like counselors or teachers or pastors, you think, man, I got a lot of friends. Not really, you don't. Go through a hard time, have a bad day. Who's there? That's who's your friends. You have a lot of relationships, but not all of them are friendships. I would say to younger people or, or, or anybody single or dating or considering marriage, how is your friendship with that person going? And if you're married and you don't feel like your spouse is a good friend, don't point out that to them. Like, how could I, start with you, how could I be a better friend and see if they don't respond in kind? So, so quickly, three traits of these last few minutes, three healthy friendship traits for for romantic relationships. The first one is this, you have to serve each other. Like this is not a popular sentiment, but it is the truest thing that I can tell you. In fact, if you only go away with this one line, it'll be okay, you'll survive, you'll do good, right? It cannot be, a a, a healthy relationship cannot be built on an idea of it's gonna always be about me and what I want and what I wanna do. When healthy couples serve each other and practice serving each other, do you know what the net result of that is? Relational happiness every time. When both people serve each other, it's relational commitment. This is why friendships matter so deeply, single people, and you're gonna grow that friendship over time through service and what Paul calls mutual submission. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We studied that a few weeks ago. The second part of this, the second trait I want to tell you about is that this has to be reciprocal, right? So if you're dating somebody right now or you start to date somebody, you should pay attention are, as I am kind to them and serve them in whatever way, are they responding in kind? And if, if, if it all is working in one direction, single people run, run. Like one of the biggest red flags is this, this guy or this girl just always about themselves, always doing whatever they wanna do, never, never in, trying to serve me. Ladies, if they're not holding your door open, cut them. Is that old, too old school? Like, if anybody wants to date my daughters, you better hold their door open or I'm gonna cut them for you. <laughs> cut you for them, sorry, I got that wrong. I mean, for Jesus, you know, for, for, for Jesus. 
for the glory of God, you know, to the glory of God. Like, if you're dealing with selfishness and narcissism, run. Some people have been down this road and you, you would say a bigger amen if you didn't embarrass yourself by doing it, right? Now, if you're married, you can't run. Don't run. I'm not saying run for you. Stay there. But cut them a little bit for, for, for Jesus. I'm just kidding in case anybody wants to sue me later on, right? Let, let, me, let me get serious now. If you have a marriage where both people are unfriendly, do you know what you get? They don't serve. They're not friendly towards each other. You get conflict and coldness. If you have one person that is unfriendly and won't serve and another person that is friendly and does serve, you get selfishness and ultimately for the person who serves, sadness. That it's never reciprocated. If you have two people who are friendly and serve one another for a lifetime, you get love and laughter. Will there be hard times? Yes, but you will have love and laughter. And some of you will say, well, my spouse isn't very friendly. And I would say back, go first. Go first. See if it, see if it doesn't help if you become a better friend. I, I would challenge you if you're married or if you're dating somebody seriously to ask them a question. It's a tough question to ask, but how good of a friend have I been to you? On a scale of one to 10, one, one being we're in trouble, 10, we're doing great. How good of a friend have I been? And what could I do to be a better friend? When, when marriage isn't going well, when, it's, when, it's, when you're on the rocks, when you're facing the, the difficulties that come to every married couple, it can get overwhelming. And you're like, man, life is coming at me hard, and bills and, and, and family of origin stuff and abuse and budgeting and, and scheduling and, and life is going so fast. And you're like, what do we do? How do we turn it around? Start with friendship. Work on the friendship. And, and, and I hear from people a lot of times that where they're saying, well, look, man, it's too late. We've fallen out of love. But I would say that people don't, don't fall out of love. They just fall out of repentance, Right? Um, people say things like that because they want to abdicate themselves. But love isn't always a feeling, everybody. It's a decision first and foremost. You know why I know it's a decision? Because the Bible tells us that we should love our enemies. You, you, do you feel the warm and fuzzies with somebody who dis abused you, mistreated you? No, you don't feel that. But the Bible says you can love even your enemies. And the reason you can do that is because God is love and God's love comes to us and through us to people, even people that mistreat us. Love is a fruit of the Spirit. It is the byproduct of being filled with the Spirit and living the Spirit-filled life. And some will say, yeah, but we're just going to follow our heart. And, and Solomon would say in Proverbs 4.23, no, 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 guard your heart. For, it's the, for, for out of it is the wellspring of life. And some will say, hey, I'm gonna just chase my own, my own emotions. And Jeremiah the prophet, 17.9, he would say, no, 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 be, be, beware of your heart because it's the most deceptive of all things and it's desperately wicked, he says. Sometimes you just need to guard your heart from the lies of the enemy who says there is no hope, there is no way to move forward, there is no way to, to move from here. And so, so some will say, well, we've fallen out of love. But 1 John repeatedly, 1 John 4 repeatedly says that God is love, which means that love doesn't begin with you. It begins with God, right? 
Love doesn't emanate from you. It emanates from God. The love that we can have for our spouse, even when it's hard, even when it's brutal, is a divine kind of love. It's a supernatural love. It's a grace-oriented love of God from God to us. Because even though we are sinners, God loves us enough that he looks beyond our faults and sees our need. And he comes from heaven and paves the way on the cross of Jesus so that you and I might have relationship with a holy God. And, and even if in our, our spouse is in sin or we're in sin, God has love for them through us and has love for us through them because God's love works through, through us. And, and the last thing I want to give you, just these last three or four minutes, is that real friendships are built on intimacy. Not, not just sexual intimacy, but praise God for it. And, anyways, amen. All right. Sorry, that was probably too much. Take that out of the video, please, uh, for later on. Intimacy, I heard a pastor say it literally means into me see, right? Like I'm gonna open my heart, open my emotions and let somebody in. And friendship in marriage is so important. And those of you who've been married a while, you will agree. There's the old proverb that says that friendship doubles the joy and cuts the grief in half. That you can kind of go through almost anything so long as you have somebody to walk it out with you. There's this last little idea I want to give you around this. There are three kind of relational postures that you can have in marriage or in relationships. You can, you can go back to back. You can go shoulder to shoulder or you can go face to face. Now, when you're developing a friendship or when you're wanting to learn how to develop a friendship, you need to know these three things. In the specific application of a romantic relationship, back to back posture is really where a couple has become adversarial and enemies. They have literally turned their backs on one another. They're bitter, they're hostile, they're not loving, they're not working on the friendship. It's a bad place, and, and if you've ever been there, you know how bad it is. Bitterness seeps out, anger, disgust, contempt for one another. It's back to back. A lot of marriages are shoulder to shoulder. And what, what that means is that we're, we're working shoulder to shoulder on our marriage, for our family. But what happens is if you do shoulder to shoulder and only shoulder to shoulder, you become business partners, and, and, and the goal is just to get these kids raised. Right? And, and, and I would say that much of marriage is shoulder to shoulder for sure, but if it's only shoulder to shoulder, it won't ever have the depth and the joy that it can have, the intimacy, which is what I'm talking about, which is why face to face time matters. And, and this is where we look one another in the eyes, put the phones down, turn them off, get them in another room, go on a date night. Come on, without the children. Come on, somebody. I see people on date night, and I'm like, you got your kids. That's not date night. Can I get a witness from the fellas in the house today? That's not date night. That's, shh, the baby's still right there. We got to deal with that. Right? Can't do other things that we'd rather do. We got to do we gotta deal with that. Right? And, and it's awesome to deal with that, except on date night. Um, face-to-face time happens throughout the course of a day where you slow down and you look each other in the eyes, which people don't do. 
They're just running, yelling, hollering, hey, got to do this, got to do that. And face-to-face is the language of the Bible for intimate friendship. It's all over the scriptures. I'm going to give you a few examples real quickly. Genesis uh, 32, Jacob called the name of the place where God met with him Peniel, saying, for I have seen God, say it with me, face-to-face. And then in, in, in Exodus 33 of verse 11, the Lord... Okay, I'm going to skip it. Um, the, the, the Lord, the, the Bible says, that thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. That's the Bible's language for intimate friendship, face to face. And then Paul says in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 13, 12, he says, for now we see only a reflection. We talk about seeing God and having a relationship with God. We see only a reflection as in a mirror. But then when we see Jesus, when we see him face to face, that's when it's going to come real to us. He says, now I know in part, I know God in part, but then I shall know him fully, even as I am fully known. So God knows me fully, but I don't yet know him fully. But one day I will see him face to face, and then I'm going to know him fully. Now let me say this. As you work on your friendship, here's the practical part of it. Men develop friendships different than women. Men develop their friendships shoulder to shoulder. This is why men who are in the military and have been in combat, when they get out of the military, when they get out of combat, a lot of times there's a hole in their lives because they don't have that arm in arm, that brotherhood, that men in men. They played sports, professional sports. They had a team. They've always had a team. And now they're, they're retired and they're like, where's my, my crew? Men tend to develop their friendships shoulder to shoulder. That's important for you to know, ladies, because you got to figure out how do we get shoulder to shoulder time that is not work that is about making things happen. Like a couple of dudes, five to six dudes could get around, watch a UFC fight, eat chicken wings. It's bloody and gory. And afterwards, like, dude, that was some quality time. And the, and the ladies are like, what? Yeah, dude, that was awesome, right? And ladies tend to, not always, I don't want to generalize, but they tend to build their relationships face to face. Let's get some girl time. And what they mean is let's drink coffee together and sit around. And if dudes do that, there's an unwritten rule that we got to take them off in the woods and, and bury them out. And just kidding. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I, I would say to the ladies that you figure out how to have shoulder-to-shoulder fun. And for Rachel and I, that looks like walks. Mostly because I'm old. She can run. I can't. Um, we walk. And, and I'm going to just say this. This is a pro tip for you the best conversations we have are while we're walking around our neighborhood. In fact, I would argue that if you want to start making your marriage get better right out of the gate, if it's, or just to grow it, it'll grow faster walking shoulder to shoulder. And fellas, if we want to be better at friendship with our wife, we have to learn how to do the face-to-face thing better, right? We got to learn how to ask questions and not always try to fix the problems. Come on, I'm a fixer, y'all. I can't, I can't hardly help myself. But, but, but how, to, how to love her, how to, how to be honest, how to share joys and sorrows and dreams and frustrations, this is where the good stuff happens. Last question I'm gonna ask you and I'm done. In marriage, the question is, am I investing most of my mo- emotional energy into my spouse 
Or is most of my emotional energy being put into our kids or to my job? And, and the reason this is important is because if you want to have an endearing, enduring friendship over the lifetime, you got to invest emotionally in one another. You have to invest in the friendship. And I know this probably doesn't sound like much what I've said to you today, but I promise you, it's the best thing I know how to tell you. If you will learn how to serve one another, if you will learn how to share yourselves with one another, if you will learn to walk shoulder to shoulder with each other, have fun shoulder to shoulder, have fun face to face, I'm telling you, wherever you're at, whatever's going on, it can be turned around. It can go in the right direction. It can grow over time. And single people and young people pay attention to the friendship part of it because you'll miss it and you'll miss the most important thing. Amen, somebody? So let me pray for you. Lord, um, we're just getting started in this series. We've got a lot of ground to cover, a lot of things that we're going to share over the next four weeks. God, and we're going to wrap up this series um, telling people how to get past their past. I know there's a lot of people who have all kinds of emotions here right now because things haven't worked out the way they wanted them to or things haven't turned out the way they thought they were and maybe they feel um, bad about that or guilt or shame or whatever they might feel. God, I pray they wouldn't. I pray that they would look at, at, at this day as, as from this day forward, from this day forward, I can't, I can't undo my past, but I can learn from it. And from this day forward, I can move forward and I can build the next relationship, whatever it is, on the foundation of friendship, reality, realness, wholeness, goodness, that we would, whatever we do, whatever kind of relationship we have, that we would do it in such a way that brings honor to the God who created us. That's what we're fighting for, Lord. We're fighting for relationships that bring honor to you. And when we bring honor to you, God, I believe you're going to bless and, and pour out your best upon us. And so I pray, God, for people who are struggling right now. God, all the cards that we prayed over, so many people who are having a hard time right now, I just pray you'd give them hope and strength and you'd let them know that you're with them, that you're for them, that you have your, their best intentions in, in mind. God, you have high standards for us. There is no doubt about that. But Lord, you've got grace for us when we don't, we don't quite get there. And I pray for wisdom and patience and peace and I pray that we would learn to become friends with you. And as we become friends with you, that, that our relationships, our human relationships would, would, would develop strongly from that. I pray your best over everybody in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, right. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.